our campaign is called Worthy, Worthy, and we're talking about how God alone is worthy of our worship. So for the whole summer, we're going to be talking about how God is worthy. In the first half of this campaign, up until we're back in the building in a couple of weeks here with a regular service, uh, we're talking about more informal forms of worship. We're talking about how we're drawn to worship spontaneously. Uh, We talked about the postures of worship that we have to have in our heart, how we have to be humble, how we have to be struck with awe and wonder to worship. And then uh, we talked about how creation inspires us to worship. We've all had those moments where we're just struck with awe, whether it's at the sight of the ocean or a mountain or just something beautiful in creation, even if it's just like uh, a single-celled organism, how that works, and the just amazing nature of creation where it can be struck with awe and then be drawn to worship through that. Uh, We talked about how God's actions inspire worship in us. When we think of what God has done in history, in the stories of Scripture, God's mighty deeds and the actions that he has taken were just, wow. The Exodus is a great example of that. We can just be blown away at how God works. When we think of how God works in our life and the stories of transformation, and the, the miracles that we have experienced or seen or been a part of or, wit- or even heard stories of, we can just be drawn to worship through those. Today what we're going to talk about uh, is another more informal act of worship or something that inspires us to worship, and we're going to talk about the actions of others. How when somebody does something that we can see and just be blown away with and drawn to worship because of the actions of others. So I think we're more often drawn to worship by things like creation or the acts of God, but we kind of neglect this one of the actions of other people and how they can draw us into worship. Which, when we think about it, humans are created in the image of God. And so we reflect God. We don't fully know what the image of God is. I'm not going to dive into a theology of that at this point. But basically what that means is that humanity is the crowning achievement of God's creation. We reflect God in some capacity. And so... When we encounter the characteristics of God on display in the lives of one another or in others, those should be actions that draw us to worship. They should draw our eyes up from the horizontal relationship to the vertical. They should be one of the most powerful displays of God's glory in our lives. And as I'm thinking about why they often aren't, I think we all have a tendency to just be cynical towards other people. We have this tendency to see the worst in others instead of looking for the character of God on display in the lives of our brothers and sisters. And a lot of this stems from experiences that we've had, we've been offended, we've been hurt by others. Nature seems easier. <laughs> what has that flower done to me? Right? I can like look at that flower and be like, wow. But it's limited, both good and bad, right? The harm done by others can be so hurtful that we are left cynical, but also the good that we see in others and the character of God that we see in others can be so glorious and so awesome. So what I want to encourage us to do this week, focus on just seeing the good in others, seeing the characteristics of God in other people. Instead of being cynical, instead of thinking about the negative side of things, look for the goodness of God. Look for the kindness that you see in other people. Look for faithfulness that you see in others. Oh, I forgot to do this too. 
Here's the questions I'm going to ask at the end so that when you zone out while I'm preaching, again, I know you zone out while I'm preaching. Um, you can zone out to this, okay? So here's the questions. Think of a Bible story that leaves you in awe of a person's character, actions, or mindset. So we're going to talk about a few of those. There are so, so many. I had a real hard time thinking of what stories to put in the devotional this week. I had to limit it to five. Now you have the courage of Esther. You have the... Uh, the just drive and ambition of the Apostle Paul. You have uh, the forgiveness in the story of Joseph and the reconciliation. There are so many, so many good stories. So be thinking of those. And then next, how have you witnessed the character of God on display in the life of another person? Think of a recent example, perhaps somebody in the church, somebody close to you, where you've seen the character of God, the goodness of God on display in the life of another person. And share that story if you would like to. So that's where we're headed. Thinking about the character of God <clears throat> on display in one another. And we're going to go to the story of Ruth. Okay. Again, I had a hard time narrowing down all of these stories because there's so many great stories throughout Scripture. The story of Ruth. The story of Ruth is a story... Uh, I don't want to be this guy, but, but it's not the like romantic story that we tend to think of it as, right? It's more, the primary theme is a story of hesed, or hesed, okay? You're supposed to get guttural with your throat in Hebrew, right? It's a story of hesed. It's the story of God's unfailing love. It's this difficult word that's, it's a difficult word to translate, because we don't have an English word that perfectly matches it one for one. Love is the closest, but love in our language is so distorted and has so many different meanings that it's hard to put our finger on. So when Scripture talks about hesed, what it means is this covenant faithfulness. God's made a covenant with his people, and he is not going to let them go. He's going to maintain his loyal love. Loyal love is another word for this. His never-ending kindness, unfailing love, faithful love. Loyal love, I think, is the best description of it. And so... Instead of trying to like describe it with words, what the biblical authors often try to do is just describe it with a story, <laughs> right? It, it's one of these things that words don't do it justice, but when you see it, you know it. When you see it on display in a story, you'd say, that's it. That's a display of God's unfailing, loyal love. And we see it in the story of Ruth. Story of Ruth, I'm just going to like run through it briefly. We'll look at a couple of passages, so we're not going to get too in-depth with it. But it's the story of Naomi. Naomi, her husband, and her two kids, they, there's a famine in the land of Israel, and so they go and they sojourn in Moab, which is a neighboring country where there was food. Her two sons marry while they're there. They marry Ruth and this other woman named Orpah. Tragically, Naomi's husband dies, and her two sons die. So she's left with her two foreign Moabite daughters-in-law. And as a description of that story, in Ruth chapter 1, we come to this part, where it's Ruth and her two daughters-in-law after her husband and her two sons have died. It says, at this point, they wept aloud together. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. So it, what uh, Naomi was doing, Naomi encouraged them to leave. So she encouraged them both to go home. Go home to your father's house, remarry while you're there, 
That's the only hope she can give them. And in this culture, marriage is, is much more than just, oh, they fell in love and they, they wanted to be together. It's like your security blanket. It's your, what provides for you. You're brought into a whole other family where there's provision, there's land ownership, there's, there's rights. All of that stuff is kind of lumped in together with marriage. And so this is Ruth and Orpah's really only chance of provision at this point. So Naomi encourages them to leave, to go home, go to their father's house, remarry, and be provided for, and build your life after this. It says, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, so she left, but Ruth clung to her. She clung to her. She stayed with her. She wouldn't let her go. Again, this is a story of loyal love. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. <laughs> Love this. She's like, <laughs> Naomi's like, <laughs> I'm stubborn, but you're more stubborn, kind of deal. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. <laughs> She's like, you, you won this argument. This is a story of loyal love, of Ruth saying, you know what? I know that this is my best chance of provision, and I know that clinging to you or going with you has very little hope of provision. But what Ruth also knows is that she is Naomi's only hope for provision, <laughs> Because Naomi's old at this point and likely will not be remarried and almost certainly cannot have children. And in this leveret marriage <laughs> culture, like that was her only hope of retaining her family's land, of having provision, was her having another son. Or one of her daughters-in-law having another son. But again, her whole family is dead. So Ruth is her only hope of provision at this point. Ruth is her only hope of being remarried and then providing for Naomi. Otherwise, she is going to live the rest of her life destitute and in poverty. In this culture, they had what was known as uh, a redeemer, kinsman redeemer. So the closest relative to the deceased man, his role, his responsibility is to marry the widow of his closest relative. Usually it's his brother or a closest relative. That's his responsibility, to provide an heir for his brother or for his relative. And so when they move back to Israel, they find this guy named Boaz, who is... Not the closest relative, but a close relative and could be their kinsman redeemer. But for Ruth to, for Ruth to engage him in this is a very risky endeavor for her. Because it's she and Naomi, that's it, and they are very vulnerable. If Boaz is not a man of honor, he could very easily take advantage of her. Other men, as she's in the field gleaning, could very easily take advantage of her. So it's a risky endeavor for Ruth. She has nobody to advocate for her. She has no power to speak of. 
But as we learn in this story, which again, I'm just kind of breezing through it, Boaz is an honorable man. And so he decides to take her on, and this comes with two people, right? two more mouths to feed. Remember, coming off of a famine, so it's very risky for him. Now he is taking on Ruth and Naomi into his household and committing to provide for them. So it's very expensive, very costly for him. And he gets very little in return out of it. Because if he does have a son through Ruth, that son will grow up to inherit Naomi's family's land. Yet Boaz does so. He's an honorable man. He gets married to Ruth. They have a child. And at the end of the book, women of the community, they praise the Lord on Naomi's behalf. And earlier in the story, Naomi had changed her name to Mara, which means bitter, because she says, the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. But then at the birth of her grandson, here's what the women speak to her. Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel, speaking of her son, or her grandson. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. This boy's name was Obed. He became the father of Jesse, and Jesse became the father of David, one of Israel's greatest kings. And if we continue on in the lineage, we come to Jesus. Ruth, a Moabite woman who clung to her mother-in-law, who showed her loyal love in the face of great difficulty after experiencing terrible tragedy. She demonstrated this loyal love to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And it ended in praise to God. Notice what the woman said? Praise the Lord for what he has done. He's given you a guardian redeemer. Then, for your daughter-in-law, who loves you, <laughs> who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Ruth's loyal love resulted in praise and worship to God. So the big idea is simple. Allow the actions of others to inspire you to worship. So again, this week, let's not focus on the negative of others. Let's focus on the characteristics of God that we see on display in the lives of others. Loyal love, faithfulness is one of those that we can focus on. And so, open mic time. <laughs> Feel free to answer or not answer <laughs> if you don't want to speak. You certainly don't have to. But I love, I love these times. Um, it's one of my favorite times of Park Church is how we get to sit in groups and share and talk. I always am wondering, or I'm always a little... Uh, nervous that we, people won't have anything to say, <laughs> which is always silly to me at Park Church. People usually talk way longer, and we've got to like, hey, go get your kids. Come eat, you know. Um, <laughs> so if you have anything to say, please raise your hand. We'll take a few. And then uh, I love hearing how you guys are thinking through this, because I've been thinking about this for a few weeks now. But I'd love to hear how you guys are thinking through it and what stories come to mind for you. So, are there any favorite Bible stories that leave you in awe, that you constantly return to, of 
a person's character, actions, mindset. I just picked those words to kind of be a little bit more broad. Is there anything that comes to mind that you constantly return to and say just, wow? Uh, recently in my uh, read, read the Bible in a year thing, I uh, came to the end of Second Kings, and after so many evil kings, it's uh, one of the last kings of Judah was Josiah, who uh, did basically everything right in the eyes of the Lord, and then he discovers the law that had been forgotten, and is like, oh my, we are doomed and he does everything in his power to change everything in Israel and take down every false idol and every false god that no king before him essentially had done since David. Uh, and despite all of his best efforts doing this, he it was revealed that they, they were still doomed and that it's too late to save him. But he still didn't change the way that he... The, the, his, his dedication to the ward and all that, and for that he was rewarded with not having to witness it in his lifetime, which was sad, but at the same time, it's real strong character to know that you're doomed and still keep doing the right thing. Uh, since we're in Kings, I, I like the, uh, the story of Elijah when it was time to challenge Baal, and he just like totally talks smack to all those guys <laughs> and basically says... You know, there's nobody greater than God. And if you think about it, he's, he's setting himself up over and over in the whole process. And finally, God delivers. But he goes in with confidence. He goes in with a bit of attitude, which I can kind of identify with. Sometimes maybe not rightly so, but I just think the, the story um, shows his unending faith and confidence in God. Um, I love the story of Joseph. Um, I just find it so inspiring that he never, just all the different things in his life that he went through, like super traumatic, if even just any one of those things had happened to me. Um, but he, at least we're not told in the record of his story that he ever takes, like there's never a victim mentality. He never like complains about literally anything, and then when he has the opportunity to kind of, you know, rub it in or make it, like, uncomfortable for his brothers, um, he forgives them and reconciles and provides, and I just think that's just so, like, inspiring to me personally to show, like, how the Lord deals with us as well. Like, he never gives up on us. He never um, complains about us. He doesn't, he's not... um, upset when we're have the have these big emotions um he's always he returns it with goodness and reconciliation and kindness so in our family bible studies we've been noticing and um picking out all the really minor characters and it's really uh it's interesting the ones that i'm drawn to are also in kings to keep the theme going um and an exodus in how uh there's these there's in each story, there's like a lead craftsman that like made his way in the Bible, like by just doing the thing he was really good at. And I thought it was, I, I just think it's fantastic that just by like doing the thing that you're built for, it says God like called him to to build all the bronze stuff. All the dude did was like 
make a bunch of, you know, bronze oxen or whatever. And he, like, made the Bible. That's awesome. So um, you just, I'm reminded that, like, just doing the thing that you're, you're made for. God called you for something really special. Um, it seems so minor that you're, you know, a bronze maker. And it's, it's pretty powerful. So I'm proud of those guys. Yeah, I forget the guy's name, but it said he was even, like, anointed by the Holy Spirit to do that, to build things, which gives a lot of context to God's work in our vocation, right? Okay, move on to the next one. i got to put the next picture. Have you witnessed the character of God on display in the life of another person? Any stories from your life where you've seen God's, God's reconciliation, his loyal love, his faithfulness, his forgiveness, his power, his goodness, his kindness? Pick any of them on display in the life of another person. Uh, life turnaround and uh, reconciliation all brings me back to the curmudgeonly unknown man who lives in caves and and uh, is in chains, but yet breaks chains. And he's he uh, is out cursing and swearing and eating dogs and kissing cats and who knows what else, uh, other animals. And so they just leave him alone and stay their distance from him, the demon-possessed man. And yet, when Jesus comes over to his place, he knows still inside himself that he needs to go. He needs to be there, that this is my salvation in Jesus. And as the story goes, he does um, and without going into a lot of detail, he says, no, Lord, I want to go with you now. After you've healed me, I want to be with you. And he says, no, you stay here and talk to the Decapolis, the ten towns, about what's happened to you. And later on, he comes back, uh, Jesus comes back, and this man has been the first evangelist in that area. And what I think of is some of the turnarounds that have happened in people's lives um, that Kathleen and I personally know who were just curmudgeonly... <laughs> They, you, you didn't want to be around them, but God pursued them. He put the right people in front of them, and now they're some of the most wonderful people. Yeah, when I was growing up, um, my grandpa and grandma lived a couple doors away, and she had gone through, my grandma had gone through multiple tragedies in her life. Uh, during childbirth, um, she had some blood um, toxicity and was in a wheelchair almost her entire life, raised um, five children, and then lost two children before adulthood, and just one tragedy after another, and uh, I remember her ministering from her house in a wheelchair to everyone in Fort Atkinson, and led people to the Lord, and ministered to her grandkids, uh, who all came to know the Lord. And it was just that example of even if you have tragedy, if you are faithful, um, you might not see the fruits right away, but it spans generations. Um, and so that was a, a, a wonderful example to me, and I wouldn't be sitting here without her example. Um, so life just kind of hands a whole bunch of mix of things sometimes. And I think right around a year ago, we were brought back to LifeBridge. And we were approached by a couple who then introduced us to a small group. And like it was just the perfect, beautiful symphony 
that has brought us to where my husband and I are right now. Um, and it's just like that, that push and that pull and just kind of how God waits for us for that right time and, you know, knowing when to pursue and just always having open hands out to us that when we're not ready to make a move forward, the patience that's there and just the vulnerability and knowing that you're loved no matter what season you're in. And I think like our small group and even this church, because it's the first time that we've actually really felt like this is home. And this is really, it's been really neat to see that transition and how God will wait for you and he'll love you through all of it. And our whole small group um, and the people that have been gently placed in our life over the last year has just been really uh, an awesome reminder that even through all of life's challenges and struggles, like there's people who genuinely care and who follow God and know the truth and are there for you through everything. All right, we'll pray. That's fine. We can uh, go on to lunch. We got lunch after this, so I'll uh, explain in a moment. Father, Lord, we thank you for these stories of your goodness on display, of your character. Lord, help us to see, help us to be aware of how, Lord, you have transformed the lives of those around us, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to be aware of your common grace on display in the people that we encounter on a daily basis. Lord, help us not to miss these things, but to pay attention, to move slowly, and Lord, to recognize your work in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And Lord, would your spirit inspire us to not just stop at the good work itself, but to progress to worship, and that we would give you praise and glory and honor for seeing your goodness on display in the lives of others around us. Lord Jesus, it is in your name that we pray. And Lord, we pray over this food. We bless it. Thank you, Lord, for your provision. And Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather together around a table, share stories, and talk with one another. Lord, what a joy that it is to be a part of community and in fellowship together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.